Big Bertha. It's an iconic name. Some of the longest and straightest clubs in all of golf. Now, the legend just got even easier to hit. The new Big Bertha irons from Callaway are powered by a suspended energy core, a totally new construction, to deliver easy launch, long, consistent distance with incredible sound and feel. This is by far Callaway's easiest to launch distance iron ever. Get big time distance now. Experience Big Bertha irons today at your local golf shop or at callawaygolf.ca. Canadian Vice Admiral Mark Norman can now declare victory on the legal battlefield and return to his post. The high-ranking Royal Canadian Navy officer will not be heading to trial on a charge of breach of trust tied to allegations he leaked sensitive information about a contract to buy a Navy supply ship. The case against him was dismissed in Ottawa on Wednesday. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. We look at why the charge was stayed, what Norman had to say, and why the case is so important. Don't forget, we're on all major podcasting apps like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, so be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and don't forget to tell your friends about us. I'm obviously pleased with the Crown's decision to stay the charges against me. While I'm relieved to be exonerated of any wrongdoing, I am disappointed it has taken this long. The alarming and protracted bias of perceived guilt across the senior levels of government has been quite damaging and the emotional and financial impacts of this entire ordeal have taken their toll. I have an important story to tell. Christy Blatchford is the court's columnist for the National Post and Post Media, and on Tuesday she broke the story about Mark Norman's case being dropped. So Christy, taking readers back a bit, for those just catching up with the story, who is Mark Norman and what was he charged with? He used to be the number two guy in the entire Canadian forces. In other words, people will probably know they've heard the expression, the CDS. The CDS is Jonathan Vance. He's the top dog. And until he was suspended uh, in 2017, by which time he had not been criminally charged, uh, he was just suspended. Um, Mark Norman was, uh, Vice Admiral Norman was the number two guy in the Canadian forces. And so what was he charged with? He was charged with a single count of breach of trust. It's a a charge that people will perhaps remember from other trials that where public figures, public officials, politicians, and in this case, Mark Norman, um, are charged with breach of trust. It means that they are alleged to have uh, conducted themselves in a way that they either benefited from in some way and in some way it was not uh, in accordance with the public good. And this, in this particular instance, was a bit of a ludicrous charge because the government never even alleged that Mark Norman had, you know, profited or benefited in any way personally. So it was always going to be a tough leap for the prosecution to meet. Obviously, what happened today uh, is that they announced that after reviewing a great big fat defense file, the defense lawyers for Mr. Norman handed over in late March the fruits of their months of investigation and witness interviews and asked the two lead prosecutors to review it. They did, and as they ought to have done, they were open-minded enough to realize they didn't stand a chance, or it's called a reasonable prospect of conviction. They did not have a reasonable prospect of conviction. 
That's the test that Crown attorneys, prosecutors, use all across the country. In other words, if they charge me with assaulting somebody, they have to have a reasonable chance of conviction or they shouldn't prosecute. And here they belatedly, in my view, reached the conclusion they had no shot. Now, this all dates back to to allegations that uh, Mark Norman leaked information relating to a sole source contract that the previous government had had issued to Davy Shipbuilding to retrofit a supply ship for the Canadian uh, forces. And this caused a, a lot of problems. It caused um, a lot of problems for the new liberal government. The The contract was in its sort of middle stages, I think, when the, the election in 2015 happened. The government came, the new government came in, Justin Trudeau, Sunny Ways, and one of their first acts of business as a new government was to revisit this sole source contract, uh, presumably under the pretext that, you know, it hadn't been a, a competitive bidding situation. So they had a an ad hoc cabinet meeting. Scott Bryson, who is then the president of the Treasury Board and, of course, is from the Maritimes, marched into that meeting holding a letter from Irving Shipyards complaining about the sole sourcing of the contract to Chantier Davy, the firm which had won it or had got it, and asking the government to, you know, do its due diligence and think about it again. And the government decided at that meeting to think about it again for 60 days. They wanted a 60-day delay. That's the information. Oh, and if they had canceled the contract, it would have cost Canadian taxpayers 89 million bucks because that was the protection for Hmm. Davy. So uh, they reached that decision. They're going to revisit the contract. That's the information that Mark Norman is accused or was accused of leaking to a CBC reporter uh, and some confidential information. It was alleged until today to an acquaintance of his at uh, Davy, And uh, of course, now he he's not charged with the thing. Investigation by the Privy Council's the Office of the Privy Council suggested that there were six people who leaked information to from this cabinet meeting to media or lobbyists. Why was it just Mark Norman who was charged? I have no idea because there's at least six people who leaked that, you're quite right, that information. One of, the, one of them, an additional person, has since been charged belatedly, and we'll see what happens to his case. But there there were at least six identified by the PCO very early on, and yet the only person who was charged for, you know, two years at least was Mark Norman. I have no idea why. Was he easy hanging fruit, did they think? I don't know. But that, you know, that that's for the government to say. And of course the government never will. How how common is this kind of leak in Ottawa? Oh well, I mean I don't work here because it's an incestuous, leaky ship, frankly. I've, I've had chances in the past to come to Ottawa to work, and I wouldn't do it. Uh, as somebody smarter than me once said, uh, if you cover politics in this, this city, every handshake, every time you reach your hand out to say hello to somebody, every handshake has a greasy transactional feel. And I think that that's true. I mean, it's a lovely city in many ways and probably a great place to live, but it's the seat of our federal government, and our federal government is, you know, a, a greasy transactional government, as we have learned in the last four years. We'll be right back. You want your business news and podcast form? Post Media's got you covered. The Financial Post is excited to launch Down to Business, a weekly podcast that digs into top Canadian business stories in under 30 minutes. 
Get ready to talk business with host Emily Jackson. Check it out on Apple Podcasts or your favorite streaming platform. So you broke this story late Tuesday. When did you first hear that this could be the outcome in this case? Uh, late Tuesday. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, it, it's been apparent for months that this judge, uh, an Ontario court judge named Heather Perkins McVeigh, is an, an incredible judge. She outworks absolutely everybody in, in any given room. And she's the one who was charged with reviewing these thousands and thousands of documents, which first came to her in dribs and drabs. And even on Tuesday, she was still getting fresh disclosure from the government, not from the prosecutors. The prosecutors weren't getting these documents either. They didn't have it. The prosecution service, in this case, by staying this prosecution, I think did its job. And Marie Hannon, the defense lawyer, said the same thing. They did their job. They have an obligation. It's a higher obligation than on any other lawyers in in criminal court. And their obligation is to basically to fairness and truth. And it requires them to review the case at you know on a continuing basis and they decided we can't convict here we ought not to proceed so that's what they decided but make no mistake the government in the form of the prime minister's office in the form of the privy council office uh, the department of national defense even treasury board were all dipsy doodling about these documents and you know the fact that the defense lawyers had to bring what's called a third-party records application, which is what they were in the middle of when this latest development took place. It speaks to the government's intransigence about disclosing key documents in the Norman case. So we were still waiting for, or by we, the the defense and the and the judge and the crown were all still waiting for more documents from the feds. For thousands of documents, thousands of documents that neither the defense nor the prosecution had received, and which the judge was in the process of receiving. And her job was to review each piece, determine if it was relevant and thus disclosable, and then funnel it to the prosecutors and the. Uh, defense team. And that's what she was doing. It was an unbelievable amount of work by this judge. And she was as sharp as a tack, believe me. So given the the heel dragging on the part of the, the government and the procedural wrangling that's been going on in this case, were you surprised at all that we've reached this point where Mark Norman has had charges dropped against him? Well, I'm not surprised at the eventual outcome. I always thought that uh, Mark Norman was going to win the case, that he would be acquitted if it went to trial. I also wondered the defense was poised to bring what's called an abuse of process motion, basically alleging government misconduct, stalling, foot dragging, uh, you know, uh, placing roadblocks in the way of him defending himself. And I think they might, that was the next big motion that was up. And I think they would have won that. And I think they would have won it almost certainly. But if it had gone to trial, I thought they'd win there. Uh, I mean, it has been a a really unusual case where, you know, you could see for yourself day by day how the PMO, the PCO, all of those government departments were simply not cooperating. They wanted, you know, Mark Norman was going to be the fall guy and they were going to drag their feet all the way to giving him the tools he needed and any of us would need to defend himself. And what was the response from Norman himself or his lawyer today uh, upon hearing this positive news? Extremely classy. He was allowed to speak in court. He thanked the judge and all the players. He 
outside at a later press conference, he uh, said he was asked what the worst times were. And he, he gave two sort of benchmark times. He said, you know, the worst time was seeing how much his wife and his family had to go through. Uh, I mean, this is a man who served this country for 38 years with distinction until this thing happened. Uh, but the other sort of benchmark, uh, he said, was, you know, there was a website set up in his support and people gave money to it to help defray his legal costs, which the government, of course, refused to pay until today. Uh, and he he described getting uh, donations from World War II veterans of five bucks and how much that meant to him. So he gets to go back to his post as vice admiral. Does he get to go back to being the vice chair of defense staff? I don't know. Uh, another, I think, does he? I heard a, a press conference with Defense Minister uh, Sajin earlier today, and he pointed out that there's already, uh, you know, a vice chief of the defense staff in place. So who knows what's going to happen? But certainly, a couple of things are owed him. The government's already said they'll pay for his legal cost, which they refuse to do. And that, of course, has the effect of increasing the pressure on the accused um, because these legal costs were enormous. They've now paid for the legal costs. The other thing I think they owe him, and his lawyer said she thinks they owe him an apology as well for having put him through this. I mean, let us not forget, this is a government which gave 10 million bucks to Omar Khadr. This is a man with a very different sort of record who has been dragged through the mud by his own government, which was completely willing to believe him guilty from the get-go. In fact, if you look up the old clippings, I think almost a full year before uh, Mark Norman was criminally charged and well before the case actually made it into court, the prime minister told Canadian press that, oh, it's almost certainly going to go to trial. Are you kidding me? That's highly mm -hmm. inappropriate. It's all very uh, reminiscent of uh, the very things that happened in the SNC-Lavalin affair. And so that's the second thing. They owe him an apology, and I suspect they owe him a chunk of change in addition to that and his old job back. But, you know, we'll see. Now, other than uh, the Crown in court uh, saying that there, there's not a reasonable prospect that they'll, they would win a conviction should this go to trial and dropping the charges, was there any comment from uh, the prosecutors in the case? Not really. They came outside and said essentially what they'd said in court, you know, that uh, the, the prosecution was free from political interference. I believe them. I think it was. Um, but that doesn't mean there wasn't political interference by the government. It's just that it never reached the public prosecution service or the director of public prosecution. You'll recall in the SNC-Lavalin affair, you know, the government tried to lean on the then Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould to get her to change her mind and give the uh, SNC-Lavalin a deal. She refused, and we all know where she is now. She's at a Liberal caucus, and so is her uh, friend who uh, stood up for the same principle, uh, Jane Philpott, the former Treasury Board president. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, this uh, I guess this is not a government which admits the error of its ways very easily. Now, looking at this case on, on the whole now that we've reached a conclusion here, what does it speak to in your opinion? Why was it a big deal for Canada? First of all, I would suggest it was a lazy investigation by the RCMP. Um, much of the time period covered by the charge, the single charge that Mark Norman uh, faced, dealt with the Stephen Harper government and documents that attached to the Stephen Harper government. In other words, it was that prime minister 
who had to waive privilege over those documents. And Stephen Harper eventually had to write a letter to uh, Marie Hennon saying, please tell the court that I waive all privilege over all our documents. So he did the right thing. You know, it's the awesome power of the state against one individual. Marie Hennon, the defense lawyer, said at one point, you know, no Canadian should walk into a courtroom facing her own elected government and political power. And yet that's what it was in this case. The prosecution service did its job, as indeed it did its job in the SNC-Lavalin case. But the government was messing with Mark Norman just as they messed with Jody Wilson-Raybould. That's why it's important. All right, Christy, thanks very much for your time. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Special thanks to my guest, Christy Blatchford. You can find more from her at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>